With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this league, Podcast Network presents... Prospect One. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. With your host, Chris Welsh. It is the Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. I'm your host, Chris Welsh. Find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. What's up, everybody? It is March. Baseball is almost here. Prospects galore. Baseball galore, if you will. Today on the episode, coming off of the big interview series, Longenhagen, Badler, Callis, we're getting into the final throws before the start of the season, and how are we going to do it? Well, today, we are going through the ranks. This is the Prospect Ranks 2020 episode, where I'm going to be going through some of the biggest changes in my rank list from the end of the 2019 season until right now. That is something I do on my list is not only can you follow the difference between each update, there's a tab where you can follow the entire offseason to see how they've done, and that thing is going to reset starting in April. So that thing is going to zero out, and we'll be tracking what happens throughout the rest of the season. So I thought it'd be a good time to maybe look at how the entire offseason is done. We're going to go through middle corner outfield pitchers. We're also going to go through the top 10 guys and some guys to be on the lookout for, five to be on the lookout for, specifically for middle infield, corner infield, outfield, and starting pitcher. I didn't feel the need to be like, you know, first and then third and then second and then short and all that because, I mean, you know how it is, outfielders here. I mean, I put a guy who's been predominantly an outfielder on first base because that's where he's starting to move. It's linear movement with prospects and their positions outside of pitchers. I didn't do relief pitchers because eh, same thing. So we're going to go through the ranks. I'll give you the five guys outside of those and then a little deep dive into the ranks list. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to tell you about the very cool episodes I have coming up because as I remember, I think people have said this is their favorite offseason episode. So maybe you kind of know what's coming. And I'm actually going to do two of them and they're starting next week. So at the end of the episode, I will tell you uh, the guests, plural, that are coming up next week and what we're going to be doing. Looking for this ranks list? Want in on the Prospect One group me rooms? Want to support this independent podcast that is Prospect One? Well, check me out. Patreon.com slash ITL Army. You guys know the drills. We've got Prospect Rooms where you guys can talk about all this stuff. I share things. I had, uh, I'll tell you guys here, this funny thing happened just the other day that I shared with the uh, with the ITL Army, as we call it, and it was in the Prospect Room alone. As people know, because I'm out here in Arizona, for whatever reason, for the last... Six years, I've lived right near a facility. So many know, because I talk about it all the time, I used to live next to the Reds and the Indians. And by there wasn't much over by the stadium, but there was like a Walmart. And, you know, occasionally I would stop by there and I'd see the Indians there all the time. Ran into Bobby Bradley down an aisle, George Valera out waiting for a car. And then a couple uh, a couple months ago, right before I moved, I was in line ready to check out and uh, Brian Rocchio and Alexi Planez were both uh, in line and they went to McDonald's and I was like reporting about their McDonald's eating. Well, last night I stopped to get the family wanted to not cook and they wanted some Chipotle. So I'm like, okay, we'll do that. I stop 
uh, over where I've now moved over into Surprise, where the Rangers and the Royals play. And I live minutes away from them, and is so, as is this Chipotle. So I'm in line. It's the biggest line of my life. And I'm starting to notice, like, I think I'm like, this, I think it's a, a prospect in front of me. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was Ryan Garcia. Um, and then there's a couple other guys behind me. And I'm like, Are these Rangers? And then Hans Kraus with the Texas Rangers rolls up in a very nice white Mustang. And he's all decked out, rolls in, grabs his food. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then a couple more guys roll in. And then Davis Winsel, one of the picks for the Rangers, comes in to pick up food. And they're all like talking to each other. And I'm like, did I just catch Rangers dinner time at Chipotle? Five minutes later, I look back behind me. Anderson Tejada, Sherton Apostle, and then Pedro Gonzalez come in. And it was it was it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen because none of them were coming together. It was just mounds, 10 to 15 Rangers prospects were just coming in, and I'm just laughing and I was sharing it with the army. So that I'm just telling you all that, and we reported back on their Chipotle consumption, and I said all right, Indians prospects take down uh, McDonald's. Rangers prospects are taking down Chipotle. I've given you the information. Now you decide. You decide on their eating habits and what you like. But we'll do ridiculously dumb stuff like that. Talk about the prospects. And then obviously the list, we've got the top 500 by position, by team, first-year player ranks. We've got the mocks, the prospect 180p, and even amateur stuff is in there. All of that, all that craziness, patreon.com slash army. Come and support your boy. We'd appreciate it. We're almost at 500, which is awesome. And all season long, I'll be updating this prospect list, which what's very exciting is this coming week, uh, next week, is the start of the minor league games for the minor league. So what you're going to see is you're going to probably, eh, Monday, I would expect, you're going to start seeing teams cutting down their rosters and you're going to see so-and-so sent to minor league camp. You might see Julio Rodriguez. You know, you're going to see some big names that are going to happen. Well, on the 10th is the very first uh, game for the minor leaguers, and it's Indians and the Giants. And I'm going to try to get out there because the low A is going to Cleveland, so potentially you could have a game where George Valera and Marco Luciano are playing together. So I'll be out there, and then throughout, right until the end of March, are all these minor league games. So that's going to be some important stuff because all these guys have been – you know, they've been practicing and they've been running through drills, occasionally getting into games. If you saw it, my guy, George Valera, got into a game versus the Diamondbacks and he rocked a homer to right field. Looked fantastic. Brian Rocchio did the exact same thing. Both of those guys kind of dialing in. Actually, I'm going to talk about a little bit of the spring stuff here in a second. But those guys are going to be locking into the game. So I'm probably, I'm not guaranteed, but I'm probably going to do a mid-March update because there's going to be a lot of stuff. I was just out over at the Diamondbacks facility, and they were running a, um, a simulated game between the organization. And it was fantastic because, you know, there's Christian Robinson, there's Corbin Carroll, there's Alec Thomas, there's Tristan English. And I get to kind of sit and watch all those guys. And, you know, I've talked to Carroll a couple times, and I've I reported back, which Long and Hagen acknowledged the weight loss on Christian Robinson. But And I finally got to catch up with Alec Thomas, and you can noticeably see, like, the dude's gotten, he's gotten a bit bigger and I asked him about it, and he's like, yeah, I've been kind of working on it. So, like, you know, he was putting on weight where Christian Robinson was losing it. But all we're, we're starting to get into the competitive side of all of these things. You know, we've only been seeing this uh, semi-competitive side, but as you're having the inner team scrimmages go on, I caught Michael Bush and Cody Hosey the other day. We're going to actually put them into context, and that, I think that's going to help. It's not the be-all, end-all, but these guys do take it seriously, and they're inner squad scrimmages, so these guys want to win and they want to play really hard. That, that might help. 
you know, as I see this guy looks better here, this guy's improved this, I'll try to talk to guys where I can. So I will be doing updates as I possibly can. Starting next week with all of those games, I'm looking very, very much forward to it. This weekend, I'm actually going to try to go and catch one of the inner squads with Kansas City to see Bobby Witt. I haven't been able to see Bobby Witt uh, since the start of spring training as I've been going through some of the minor leaguers. So that'll be one I uh, hopefully can report back to you on as I continue my romp through spring training and giving you guys all the uh, updates. Speaking of which, I thought one thing that might be a little bit helpful for before all the minor league camps start up and you're going to see some of your favorite players maybe being sent down uh, to minor league camp and then you're going to wonder, hey, this guy performed so well or it seemed like he performed so well because you know it's a very common thing for any of us is you know we go and look and we like man you know Alec Baum hitting 444 in 18 at bats in spring training you know he's got 3 RBIs I think he's only struck out once he's got 8 hits i mean he's looking really is he going to break camp no probably not i mean mo- very very few spots are really truly open to a lot of these minor league guys but what it does do when they have the good performances is it can establish it can help in the establishment of when a team is ready for them to jump up with one of these players and bring these guys up. So I know we get excited about, you know, Mackenzie Gore or Dylan Carlson or any of those guys, but I think the likelihood is relatively low. I mean, even at this point with the White Sox and Nick Madrigal, who Nick Madrigal, by the way, I I caught last week and uh, I got to talk to him just for a tiny minute. He's another one of those guys where he, you know, he's such a small frame. He's gotten thicker. He's a thicker guy. Uh, which was a little bit surprising because he has a beautiful swing, one of the best batters I, I've I've seen in baseball. But, you know, he's obviously tinier is what kind of turns people off. He's actually transformed his body a little bit like New Mexico State's Nick Gonzalez, who I've talked about. Like he's got like he just he widened out, add, added muscle, which is going to be good for future power. But you know, even Nick isn't getting into games like at a crazy degree. And Lori Garcia, he's looked pretty good. He made an amazing defensive play when I was out there. So, you know, as good as those guys are, there's you know, there's not a ton even they're going to be able to do. But I figured let's talk about some of the big performances in spring training that might, you know, kind of get you guys excited. And Dylan Carlson is actually at the top when I go and check out and sort by hits in spring training. Dylan Carlson, as of coming into Friday, so just warning, this could change. Dylan Carlson had the most hits of any of the, you know, the big major prospects. 10 hits with a 417 batting average, over 500 OBP, has a triple, three doubles, more walks than strikeouts. And this is a really impressive number why he is, I'm very comfortable in drafting him in redraft or you should, you know, still, even if there's been a little bit of tempered, I think um, Longenhagen tempered him a little bit with some of the low exit velocity type of numbers and hard hit stuff is he's continued to impress. He's walking more than he's striking out in spring training. 20% walk rate to 13% K rate. Small sample size, of course. You know, you're going to play all of those games. Small sample size, spring training, this, that, and the other. Who's the competition? Who the guy he's pitching against? Either way, it's an incredibly good impression that Dylan Carlson is leaving. Nolan Gorman did the same thing. He uh, rocked a homer earlier on. Uh, Alec Baum, we talked about, eight hits. He's kind of in that top echelon of uh, players. You know, another one that I, I, I'm i always going back and forth on, but it's Taylor Trammell. You know, I talked about the game I, I was at. I was at another Padres game and saw him make really good contact. Defensively, he's locked in. Uh, there's still just, I sometimes get weary. There's just no movement, which is sometimes good, but in the batter's box, there's not a big high leg kick. 
Um, you know, I, I think his body has kind of like settled into who he is. And I do believe he's probably at this point more of a doubles hitter than anything else. Now, could he walk into 20? Sure, he could. I'm not sure he's going to, but I do think he can be a high batting average player. So, you know, you might be looking at like a 15-15 guy, but high batting average and maybe future like number two or leadoff hitter for a team. And he's had a really good spring at you know, 22 years old. He's been with the Major League Camp with the Padres. He's got eight hits in 21 at bats. He's hitting 381. Been a little strikeout heavy. Um, seven strikeouts in those 21 at bats. It's not the best thing, but it also that's transforming your game a little bit. And three doubles on top of it. In the power department, this one it makes me laugh and you know, I might have to I might have to eat crow on it and I'm totally like willing to eat that crow if if you need me to. But remember when I was like talking with Ben Badler about Jose Garcia, how much I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure. He's having a great great spring training. Uh he leads the minor league players, the prospects if you will prospect eligible players in spring training in homers at 21 years old. He's hit three homers and 15 at bats, 18 plate appearances. Exactly. He's got a stolen base. He's only struck out once also only walked once. He is one of those unique players. He has a higher batting average than OBP though. And, um, you know, to the credit, you got to eat it a little bit. The home run power was something that was kind of the biggest part of my question. I also do question like, how good of solid contact he'll continue to make like a major league level. Like, will he be a high batting average guy? But so far, you know, he's living up to some of this like created hype that happened over the off season and uh, the body's transforming a little bit. He's not as rail thin. Looks like he's making better decisions. And that's one, you know, don't listen to me, I guess on Jose Garcia, because he's, uh, he's been phenomenal. He had a two home run game, I think, which was, you know, a little bit of a part of it, but he's looked really, really good. So that's somebody that, you know, as far as however you feel about him, that might be someone that has a little bit of a push in their value because of what they've done in the spring. I'll be very interested to see what happens when we get into the minor league season and see how he um, he transfers. But 21 years old, leading the minor leaguers in homers. It's impressive. My guy Alex Kirilov, he's only had 10 at-bats, but he's also hit two homers and has six hits in that time. Talk about locked in, my dude. Hitting 600 with a 636 OBP. Not that the OBP really matters. Trevor Larnick has been another player that I thought has had a really good spring with Minnesota. Um, kind of getting people maybe a little bit more re-engaged, re-excited about the prospectness of him. I, I do feel like people just kind of like wonked out. You know, they just got done with him. They're just like, ah, oh, he's just kind of an average player. And maybe treating him like old school Brandon Marsh or Tristan Lutz or something like that, like, I mean, I'm just maybe I'm projecting that, but I felt like that's where people were kind of talking about him. And I don't think that was appropriate because I think he's a better hitter with, you know, pretty decent power and he's going to grow into that power more. And, you know, spring has kind of popped some of that up. Uh, Christian Pache has had a really, really good spring, at least in my eyes, very impressive. Stealing bases, he's hit a homer. That's a very good sign. Batting average, I just, I always think is going to be a little bit of a thing and he doesn't walk. But from a counting stats tool standpoint, he's doing that. You know, another one that some people have been giving me business on with the list, they're like, where's Yerman Mercedes? Where is he? He's rocking. He's having a good spring. Uh, two homers. He's hitting three fifty three. I caught him the other day. He's a, he's like the Tasmanian devil. That That is the nickname I would give him. He is a tank. He's short. He's a huge body dude. He's thicker. You know, he's got a little bit of a gut too, but he's all, but he's got like that, um, you know that like beer drinking 
like coal miner type of body. Like he's just like a he's got like a gut, but it's all just like muscle in there too. I, I'm just not like he's just like almost 27 years old. Like he's like a 20. He's been. I was going over this with Bogman. He has been in the minor leagues. I believe if I'm remembering this correctly, since 2012 with the Nationals. And he's just now getting the hype. Now, he might be this post-hype, like everything's working out sleeper, but he just doesn't have, like, position flexibility. They don't have a spot for him. Maybe another team would down the road. But it, to me, it would need to be a team like the Orioles that give him an opportunity. He could turn into, like, a Renato Nunez. So I know people are getting, like, super excited about him and stuff, but this is just a, you know, 26, 27-year-old that has never done anything just, you know, doing well in spring. So I'm not, like, a big – I'm not big and crazy on him. Uh, and then as far as uh, speed goes for the minor leaguers, Monty Harrison, he's had four stolen bases with a double and 16 at-bats, and he leads the way in stolen bases. Him and Anthony Alfred do in spring training, also hitting 375. So Monty Harrison, that's someone I've never given up on. I still believe is kind of an impact guy this year. Jorge Mateo having actually a pretty good spring in the the vying for that second base job in Oakland, though it still may go to Tony Kemp. He's got three stolen bases. What's more impressive a four to five strikeout or walk to strikeout ratio. So he's walking, which is good. And he's got a 300 batting average. So I think that helps kind of put him maybe in a lead for that spot. So that's something I would, uh, you know, continue to monitor with him for redraft, or he could just be one of those really late buy low guys. Now, pitchers, Casey Mize, I've seen really get put at the heart of the order. Um, he has given up two earned runs and only four innings pitch, but it's been over three different games. And he's got six strikeouts. I thought Casey Ma- Casey Mize and Matt Manning, Matt Manning specifically, even though um, he got hit up a little bit for four and runs, I thought he has been pretty, pretty impressive in the guys that he's been attacking. Clark Schmidt, his prospect, Nis nature has absolutely risen. Um, you know, the command of multiple pitches through this last year, his development has had him surpass like a Davey Garcia, you know, who that's somebody I'll probably talk about in this rank update here in just a second, who's just kind of faltered down a little bit because of the worry of relief. And it, it it's a legit thing. Uh, Nate Pearson probably been the most impressive in the spring in three innings or three, yeah, three innings over two games. He struck out six. He has given up no hits, no earned runs. He has not walked a batter. Lights out. He has been phenomenal in that run. And we're just slowly starting to get some of these other guys. Logan Gilbert got in a game. He only gave up one hit in two innings. Luis Patino, uh, he got hit up a little bit, but did strike out uh, two in his one innings pitched. And Tarek Skubal, you know, two innings, three strikeouts over one game has looked pretty good. So some of the top prospects are getting people excited. Uh, Nate Pearson, Nate Pearson, probably the one of all of these. You know, I shouldn't say that because I actually think there's, let me just throw this out here. Everyone's talking about, Davey Garcia having a possibility for a rotation spot with the Yankees. I think Clark Schmidt might be even more likely. At the end of the day, I think Jonathan Loisica would be the guy that gets the fifth spot, but I think Clark Schmidt is actually pretty close. So Schmidt, Pearson, those would be some guys uh, I would be banking on. Schmidt could be one of those players that you could maybe still potentially buy low on, as well as maybe a Daniel Lynch with the Royals. There might be a rotation spot available for him. Brady Singer has gotten into three games. They've been testing him, but he's also walked three, given up three earned runs. Uh, he's been okay, but a seven, like a seven ERA and his whips over two. So, you know, spring training, take it for what it is. There's been some impressive imp- performances, both on the hitting and the pitching side. 
And there's some, you know, there's going to be a shocker or two of player that is, they're just going to break through. It's just going to happen. And we won't, we will not have expected it. And they might break camp and there'll be some early April guys. And, you know, the players that look maybe most likely are like the Nate Pearsons and the Dylan Carlsons. And, you know, maybe we'll be shocked by an Alec Baum some point soon. But it's fun to monitor these. But for me, once we get this competition of the minor league spring trainings going on, where these guys are really battling it out because we're waiting on league assignments and stuff. And this also might give you insight. I'll be able to tell you where guys might be heading because the t- organizations put the players with a quote uh, affiliate. So the AAA and AA and then the high A and low A. So we might get some insight on just where some players might be headed uh, for the upcoming minor league season, and I will report all about that next week. All right, little spring training look, a little bit of an update on the stuff. Let's get into the ranks. I'm going to tell you about some updates I've got going on on my rank update since uh, 2019 has uh, ended, and then we'll talk about maybe some of the top 10 guys at each position. So let's go. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say, I like you. I like you so much, I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold, and I'll share it with you 50-50. Prospect one. Everybody's favorite thing, ranks lists, right? There's we've all, we've, Tons of us have got them, and what's funny is where, you know, I, I don't know how many prospect lists there really were, like when I started, like three years ago, but... You know, that became the next big popular thing was everyone had done that. The next thing is podcasts. So it's like the new ranks list is the podcast where, you know, probably in two years, any prominent prospect person is going to have some form of a podcast and a list. And it just it's more material out there for you guys. Now, my list, I try to keep lots of pertinent information on there as far as the actual physical ranks go. Um, there are some things I'm going to be adding. I, I talked about this on my on the update over on Patreon. If you're interested, there's some good features, maybe a little bit more of a write-up feature that's going to be added in the near future. But currently, you know, I list out the rank and when they might come up to the majors, you know, if they're a part of the first-year player. And then obviously the rank adjustment from the last one to the end of the 2019 season. And the 2000, the end of the 2019 season one I think is really interesting. It's color-coded. And actually, shout-out to my boy Jesse Severe who helped um, – make the color coding even more prominent, you know, darker shades of green when they move up and darker shades of red when they really move down. So it's a little bit more prominent for you. So thank you, Jesse, for doing that is I don't go crazy into like focusing on that that much because, you know, sometimes it's about um, players coming back on a radar or realizing maybe you miss someone or just off season looks of, you know, really focusing on what happened in 2019. You're like, oh, wow, I'm really, really different on that. But what's interesting about doing it now is you get the perspective of like, okay, here are the really big fallers and rank jumpers and maybe the type of players that are doing it from the end of 19 because we'll do the same exercise once the 2020 season starts and then it, when it ends. So we'll look at you know how the season ended and who moved. So I made some notes on here for you and you can check out the top 500 list over on Patreon, but only two players have moved into the top 10 since the end of the 2019 season because that's not something, I don't know how you would look at that by the way, 
maybe you would go like, you know, oh, you didn't have the same top 10 at the end of 19 as now. Or you might say, wow, there's some consistency there. Sure, whichever one you want to look at. Uh, the two players, though, can you guess, that were jumped into my top 10, I'll bet, you, I'll bet you one you get and one you don't. Jason Dominguez is one. So you probably got that one. That's understandable as, you know, we really started digging into the hype. The other one, though, I bet you'll find interesting. But if you know me, it's not that. Uh, Jared Kelenic. So, you know, like Air Cross has Kellen. I don't even know where Air Cross has him. Like, probably like top three or something like that. I know he loves him. And in the P180P mocks, let me pull this up here. This was our ADP system I created uh, in the offseason for prospects where we did multiple drafts and we created, you know, we just did the averages of the players and it created an ADP system. Jared Kelenic ended up being the sixth overall prospect. So he was number six on the ADP. He went five in two of the leagues and eight in one of them. I had him, let me get back to my list here so I can show you, at the end of the 2019 season, right around... Looks like 18 or 17. I've always thought, like, like, I really like, I really like Kellenic. And, you know, then I got to interview him, see him a little bit more, back healthy, talk to him about his game. And then we had a, a bump up. Uh, he looks really healthy during spring. I've seen him a whole, him and Julio a whole bunch. And he seems as dialed in. He seems more dialed in than when I saw him in the AFL. And he's already starting to establish some of those results. This, you know, he wants to steal bases, but he also wants to develop that power workout regimen. That was a big thing he talked about with me was the offseason workout, you know, to build muscle. And you already saw him just absolutely jack a homer out of the stadium the other day. I'm still not insane about him, but I treat him and D- Dylan Carlson in the general same range, but I have Kellenick above him. That you know, it's one of those things where it's like I like Kellenic as much as anybody else. There were just other people that valued him a bit higher than me, but he hit the top ten. Uh, so Jason Dominguez, number five, Kellenic, number ten. Those were two guys from the end of the nineteen season that have jumped in to the top ten as of right now. Now two players had to fall out. The two players, actually favorites of mine, Alex Kirilov and Jesus Lazardo. So Lazardo was about. Just, you know, paring down, you know, my value on pitching prospects. I only have one in the top 10. It's obviously McKenzie Gore. I like Lazardo as a, if you missed out on Gore and needed a pitching prospect, he's the next guy. But just valued the hitters above, so it wasn't anything personal. And Alex Kirilov, it wasn't exactly anything personal as well, but, like, Kellenic had to jump him. That was kind of the biggest thing. I think Kirilov only moved down. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Kirilov was, I think, 8 when 2019 ended. And he missed the Arizona Fall League. He had the wrist injury. He was he did play good in the playoffs, and he's already right back at it. So Kirilov's a guy that could easily keep jumping back in. Everyone was kind of questioning the real hit tool and where the power was going to go. I believe he's going to be like an elite hitter once it's all said and done. So he did move down a couple spots, though. But it still doesn't matter because where I rank him, I'm still going to get him above everybody else. I see him go, you know, in like a fresh restart prospect thing. He's like you know, around 20 every single time. So I still am kind of the high guy on him. Now, here are the top five biggest risers since the end of the 2019 season that are inside my top 100. So you follow me? They're in the top 100 now, but these guys rose the most. Number one, Maximo Acosta. And at the end of the day, this is just kind of like a oversight in not me being able to catch him in the, uh, the instructs. You know, or just following all the crazy hype, but he moved like 400 spots. You know, that's it's a crazy, crazy jump. But 
the amount of different people that kept touting him to me and then really focusing more and more into the video because, you know, I, I, I go through my motions and I give my prospect ranks. I don't remember where I had him J2 class-wise, probably 10, you know, 11 or something like that. And then you get the reports. He's already out here stateside, already seeing some good success and growing and the comps, even though Long and Hagen was a little down on him. Maximo Costa had a massive jump inside to the inside of the top 100 because this is also about the value catching. You know, does he warrant being a top 100 prospect right now? No, I don't think so. Probably not, but that's not the game we're necessarily playing. You know, like any real prospect, like evaluator for a team would be like, well, he's, you know, he hasn't even done this. He's got to check the boxes, blah, blah, blah. He's 17 years old, but we're about, you know, value. We're about getting ahead of the curb. So, you know, a guy that we could get at 120 now, if we do it, that could be a top 15 in two years. That's the value base jumping in. And I value the international prospects a bit more than um, most because I want to get in on those early values because, you know, at the end of the day, you get into the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Are you really passing up crazy, crazy close to major league talent for international guys? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So Maximo Costa made the biggest jump. The next uh, three guys, probably no shocker, had really, really positive, successful AFL runs. And they all had uh, big jumps. Number two on the list of the biggest risers since 2019, Josh Lowe. 200 spots he moved up, really changing his game. Still young. He did get hurt, though, and he's going to be out for a little bit. Um, but his you know, his value as far as a prospect really changed with a power-speed combo. Power that I think could rival his brother, uh, Nate. And he's got speed. Defensively, he moved throughout the outfield. He's a big body dude, really smart guy, too, if you went back and listened to my interview. So he was number two. Number three, Jared Oliva, of course. Jared Oliva uh, was a huge surprise to me. And not only is he an elite base dealer, a good defender, but he was like a big body dude who I think is going to develop power. So he moved 139 spots in the ranks. Number two, Brandon Marsh. He was right in that 100 range, and the swing changes he made, really focusing back up on um, on exit velocity and launching the ball, were very well received in the AFL. Good, good results. Athletically, looks locked in, and um, you know, more and more I focus in on him, it's hard to ignore like the good player that he can be. And there's some stuff going around. I don't remember who tweeted it, and I wish I could. There was a tweet going around from some writers that had said. There are some scouts that like Brandon Marsh over Joe Adele. So I don't know who those people are, but that's how big Brandon Marsh has gotten to at this point. And then the last one, 75 spots up, was Luis Matos. Luis Matos has jumped into the top 100. All the bat speed in the world, very far away. Probably going to stay out here in the AFL, and I'll be able to even give you more locked-in reports as, you know, a lot of, I mean, you know, 25% of this or maybe even more, uh, our guys will get into that just very low, small sample sizes. You know, guys that do awesome in the DSL and, you know, have one really good trait that we get excited about, they move up in ranks because, you know, we're following the trends. I sometimes think that's a little bit where Luis Matos is, where he, you know, I don't think people even consider Jairo Pomeris or Matos in the same category anymore, and I think that's incorrect because Pomeris is I don't think he's sexy like uh, Matos might have, but I think yeah, I think he's a complete player, and I think he's a guy that could hit to the majors. So those are five guys that made the big jump from the end of the 2019 season to right now. All right, how about we talk about some fallers? Now, 
I changed the parameters a little bit. Top 200 players that were the biggest fallers. So these guys have to be inside my top 200, and they had the biggest fall. There is not a player that dropped uh, dropped 100 spots. There's no player that dropped 100 spots that's in my top 200. So there wasn't some massive fall off. You know, I I could tell you there might be a guy if, you know, they could be down in like the 350s that might have been in the top 200. I'm not sure. I'd have to go look. But um, these are guys that are inside my top 200 who were the biggest fallers. And the top two actually share the exact spot drop. And it is Kybert Ruiz with the Dodgers and Bayron Laura uh, outfield uh, international prospect with Texas. Kybert just leveled out. I think in the prospects 480 mock with Eric Cross, uh, people cited one thing that I got one of the biggest deals because, like, I'm I'm downish on Ruiz a because he's a catching prospect. Uh, B he hasn't shown high end ability for power. C he's also kind of leveled out as his batting average is gone. But I even took him because I haven't like murdered his value outside of my top 200. I got him like 260 or something in the prospects 480 mock that he did. But you just have to acknowledge like the the catch catching prospects in general for me have have muted value. Um, if they're close to the majors, I think you start to maybe change. If they show elite power or any really elite offensive tool, okay, now we're talking. Joey Bart, elite power with potentially elite batting average. Dalton Varsho. The guy's still catching, and he still like twenty bases. Like okay, Sean Murphy, same thing. Like lower version of Joey Bart, hitting power and already at the majors. Kyber Ruiz is kind of stunted a little bit. Will Smith jumped over him. I don't see where the spot is. He hasn't shown high end ability on really any front since that one year where he just hit the absolute crap out of the ball as far as batting average goes. So he's just lost value. And Bayron Laura, it was interesting talking to Long and Hagen about. Uh, how he, I think he said he preferred Laura to Acosta. And at this moment, I don't. I don't. Because Baron Laura, from some of the video I saw, uh, I think it was Jason Panini that had shared it, who is now with the Twins. And I just saw the other day. Shout out to Jason. I saw him over at the White Sox game wearing his nice Minnesota Twins tag, and we talked for a little bit, that um, Baron Laura looks really big for his age, like too big. Like how is that going to work out? Maybe he's going to thin out, and he probably will. If he does, there's still big power in there. So I see why maybe Longenhagen would like him a little bit more. But he was going crazy, and I'm not as crazy about him. So he started to drop throughout the offseason where, like, Eric Pena passed him. Acosta ended up passing. I'd already had, I think, Eric Pena and Luis Rodriguez above him, but I just tapered back on him. Uh, The next three droppers, they are all pitchers, and two of them have closer sights to being relief. Uh, Bruce Dargraderall dropped out of my top 100. He dropped 65 spots because he legit looks like we are going relief. I mean, maybe the Dodgers are going to surprise us and they are going to hardcore develop him as a starting pitcher. I just don't think so. I don't think they need to with their pitching prospects. And I think he can help them sooner rather than later in the bullpen. And we already know how they deal with pitching prospects. So his value goes down to me. Brady Singer was actually, this is, this is an interesting one of the drops He's not, not. He's kind of an unintentional one. Like I don't. I'm not necessarily like down on Brady Singer. I think he's going to be. I have little doubt in my mind he's going to be in a rotation with the Royals in the next 18 months. I think he will be, and I think he'll be fine. I just don't know. I don't know if he's going to be elite. Like Brady Singer starting to feel a little bit more like Kyle Wright than he is like um, you know Logan Gilbert or Dustin May or something like that. Like He's got solid offerings. I'm not sure if any of them are plus anymore. Command is fine. 
but this wasn't like I hate Brady Singer and he fell. He just just you know incrementally just kind of kept going down. And then Davy Garcia, sixty spots. I'm more and more worried, you know, about the relief with him. He could get the opportunity as a starting pitcher. There's a bias to his size, of course. The more and more I've talked to people, the more and more it sounds like relief is kind of in the cards for the future. And they have so many pitching prospects. It doesn't seem very likely. So he's got good stuff. So he just dropped down a little bit outside the top 100. and But he was the fifth biggest dropper inside my top 200 since the end of 2019. So that is a look at some of the intertwinings of my top 500 list. So let's look at some actual top 10 at middle infield, corner, outfield, and starting pitcher. We're not going to go too crazy into it, but we'll kind of blow through some names. I'll give you a few notes and even some players to be on the lookout for. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Prospect 1. Top 10 middle infielders on the Prospect 1 Top 500 list. This can be a shortstop. This could be a second baseman. They could even have some weird, as long as they're known primarily as like a middle infielder. Like there's a guy on this list who has been working in the outfield. And there's a couple of guys on here that are probably going to change position. But at this moment, they qualify here. So here's what the top 10 list looks like. Number one is no shocker. It's Wander Franco. Of course it is. Wander uh, had some hello to the big leagues experience in spring training by getting changed up by Steven Strasburg, but it's really good to see him out there. Uh, of course, there's no worries or anything like that. Still locked into Wander Franco. He's easily the number one, and he's in a tier of his own. Number two is Gavin Lux, who I finally got to see in person uh, two weeks ago with Bogman when the Dodgers were playing. You got to love his approach. He didn't really make great contact. I'm trying to remember who was he up against. I'm completely forgetting the pitcher that the Diamondbacks sent out. It was somebody half decent, and they were giving him fits. They're really, really giving him fits. I'm very interested to see how the batter's eye develops because I think that's a really big key for him because you know, he's got a really good approach. His hands are solid, you know, uppercut, power. He's got all the stuff, but he still doesn't look like he's seeing the ball great. Like, the, you know, the, the jump from AAA pitchers to major league pitchers is quite a thing. And Gavin Lux, to me, is one of those players that's really felt it more than some others. So I'm not sure if I'm like team Gavin Lux will be Fernando Tatis Jr. this year as far as, you know, how he dominates the league. But uh, he's still at the top of this list, and he's the number two on the middle infielder for me. Number three, Marco Luciano, because I still believe, but that is a player that could move off a shortstop. The power is elite. The hit tool was... Pretty dominant, uh, big athletic guy. He can also get on base. It'll be really, really interesting to see how he develops outside of the AZL this year. Watch it. Like, I have my firm belief on the type of athlete, the kind of star he's going to be, what his power is going to look like. I mean, I, I just saw him crush some balls out here, and there's some video on my Twitter that has made me feel that he's an elite prospect. But I'm very interested, like I just talked about with Gavin Lux, to see what the jump does to him this year. That's something to monitor. Might be a buy low. Uh, Royce Lewis is number four. 
He could be an outfielder. He's one of those guys I mentioned in the AFL. He worked out there. He's living up to, which feels great for any of us that became huge, big Royce Lewis believers. You know, I didn't want to come off of him at the end of 2019, even though he was horrid. And then I talked to him in the AFL, saw him in the AFL, and I stood by it. And he's continuing, continuing to uh, build on that. And he's looking really good. Bobby Witt. He is number five because, again, I believe in the tools regardless of the results. Number six is C.J. Abrams. This might be another one of those guys that's not a middle infielder, but you know, an amazing AZL last year. Buxton speed. Power will probably be there. He might be a Starling Marte type of guy, actually, into the future. That might be maybe a good comp for him if he moves to the outfield. Carter Keeboom is number seven. He could be playing third base this year for the Nationals. Nico Horner, I've got at number eight. That might not be a guy that people have in their top ten. Vidal Bruhan is uh, number nine, could be a center fielder as well. He was asked in the AFL, you know, where if you didn't play second base, would you be comfortable? And he said, anywhere up the middle. So short, second, center field. He just wants to play up the middle. I still don't have a crazy belief in his power like some do, but he is going to be an elite base stealer. Um, maybe a little bit higher of a Malik Smith. I mean, he could be like a Malik Smith type of guy, maybe a few more homers, but we'll see. He might surprise. He's He's got that beautiful helicopter swing, and he can make some contact. And then number 10, I almost considered not putting him on here, was Noel V. Marte and putting somebody else. Uh, he could change positions. I've now caught Noel V. twice, only a little bit of a scrimmage. The body is already advanced. Also, his English is really freaking good. It reminds me of um, of what Julio did. And I'm not sure that the power is going to live up to where, you know, the Julio level was, but he's already a top 10 middle infield prospect regardless. We'll have to watch if he moves off, but he comes in at the top 10 in value. And I do have some parameters on this next range. So I'm going to give you guys that are kind of the, the five to watch at the middle infield or corner, whatever. My parameters are this. I won't put first year player draft guys on here. Because And I'm not necessarily just following the ranks. Because I want to give you some other names. Because obviously, you know, in the outfield, I've got Blade high. So I decided to do that. So that was my only little parameter here of players that have had some, also had some real seasoning behind them. Not half of a season, you know, whether it was uh, DSL or whether it was, you know, coming out of college. So I wanted a little bit more of a runway of the players that I um, I dictate to you. So number one on the middle infield prospects to watch. How about Jeter Downs? This guy, I actually really teeter between Downs and Marte. Like, I mean, because you guys know I love Jeter Downs and what a year he had last year that got everybody else to fall in love. You know, this, this is just one of those. I always talk about this for... Yes, I'll have a Nick Prado, which doesn't work, and I just spout out. I'll also have my Jeter Downs, which I've been spouting for three years. And now everybody got to see the tools click. Boom, click. And they clicked 24 homers, 24 stolen bases, and he's now in Boston. And the hit tool, you know, the hit tool is developing at the the proper rate that it should. He had a good run in double A, and he has a chance to be special as he's progressing, and Boston's going to do wonders with him. You know, and from a value perspective, yeah, he might be – I, I could justify him going to eight on this list. And I think by the end of the season, I think he has a chance to be inside the top five of these middle infield prospects. So, you know, Gavin Lux will come off the list. Keeboom will come off the list. Nico probably comes off the list. So that would default him to probably eight. But, you know, he could pass. He could pass Bobby and he could pass Abram. So he's one of those guys. Uh, Arolvis Martinez with the Toronto Blue Jays. 
I really, really like him. I love the power potential. He hit seven homers, five triples, and eight doubles in 40 games last year in the GCL with a 275 batting average. Struck out some, didn't steal a lot. That might be kind of his MO in the future, but I think the bat potentially has a chance to be really special. Uh, number three on the middle infielders to watch, Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio, I've got inside my top 65, I think. I cooled off on him a little bit just because almost like um, almost like a Perdomo where I wasn't sure what, what I talked about with Perdomo with Longenhagen, and he actually spoke in like Perdomo hopes to get to a Mauricio. I'm still a little bit questionable about the future power with Mauricio. And I wonder if those guys are closer, and I have them really close in my ranks, but I think they might be closer than everybody is giving it credit for. So I've got Ronnie Mauricio maybe a little bit lower than I had him last year, but four homers, 20 doubles in 470 at-bats last year. He's a guy that could be in the top 10 of the middle infielders next year for sure. Jeremiah Jackson, he went down a little bit on my list because I was really high on him. Somebody asked me that when I did my update. They're like, hey, why did he drop? And I'm like, well, I just... I was really high on him. I still feel high on him because he's not even 20 years old yet, and he hit 23 homers last year, which is unpar- unheralded. I mean, him and Mason Martin were the two youngest, probably prolific power guys in the minors last year. And you, know, you got to be careful with Angels prospects sometimes, but he was just so phenomenal with the 23 homers. He does strike out a lot, and I'm I just wanted to. I wanted to balance myself with my investment in Jeremiah Jackson, but if he repeats what he did last year, he'll be top five in the middle infielders. Just watch. He'll be top five, he, I mean, as long as he's not hitting 230. And uh, number five, Brian Rocio. you got to keep an eye out him for sure. He, I think he cooled off a little bit after the 2018 AZL stint where me and James and everything were talking so high on him, but great spring training. He's really advancing, 14 stolen bases, five homers, He's such a he's such a solid prospect that I think he has a chance to be inside the top top, top ten middle infielders as far as ranks go next year. Top ten corner infielders number one Alex Kirilov and I put him there because he's becoming more of a primary first baseman. I think that's a position that the Twins want him. So I'm cheating a little bit, whatever. Uh, if you don't like the range of me putting him there, well, the number one would technically be my number two, Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn, Chicago White Sox. Already hit a crazy homer over the batter's eye here in uh, a Camelback Ranch. Hit six homers last year, and as Longenhagen said in the last episode, you know I can't stop talking about Spencer Torkelson. He thinks that Vaughn's hit tool is even more advanced than what I saw with Spencer Torkelson, and that might be the case. That really might be the case. Power, I'm still going to give to Torkelson, but there's just no denying the value that Vaughn holds. So he comes in at number two on the corner infielders. Now, this might be a surprise for some, Number three, Evan White for the Seattle Mariners. I believe in the power more than anybody else. I also believe he can hit high batting average in the majors. We'll see if it happens this year. This is rookie years, 23 years old. He's going to break camp as a starting first baseman for the Mariners. And, yeah, there might be some fits. He's a great defender, which is going to keep him on the field. His average could beat in the 250s this year, but maybe he still hits 20 homers. But I, this is a, a little bit longer run guy. Like, get him in the majors a couple years, and I think you're going to love him. So I've got him at number three. Uh, Tristan Casas, third base, first base, young, massive power dude, just turned 20, 20 years old in January. He hit 20 homers last year uh, with a two fifty six batting average. Got bigger. He grew in the offseason, best shape of our life, if you will. So um, I'm in. I'm, I'm all in on Casas uh, at number four. Alec Baum at number five, who we talked about. 
Number six, Key Brian Hayes, who I continue to not give up on where some others want to. It's okay. Athletic third baseman, steals bases, uh, potential gold glove type of defender. He's got power that he's just not tapped into because the batting average has suffered a little bit. And also, in 18, you can see this happen here. In 18, he hit 293 with only seven homers and uh, didn't strike out a ton, stole 12 bases this past year. He obviously made the turn to hit more power, launch the ball more, and his batting average struggled. It's an age-old tale with prospects. Uh, he hit 261, had 10 homers, and 31 doubles, which he had the same doubles the previous year. This will be the balance-out year, I believe. I believe he's going to find the happy medium between the changes he made last year, and he's going to tap into some power, hopefully cut the strikeouts down, and continue to steal bases, and probably make the majors at some point this year. So key Brian Hayes, I am still a fan of. Nolan Gorman, number seven, hit a homer in spring training. Swing looks, uh, at least the batter's eye looks uh, solid. We'll see how it goes in the minors as he gets attacked with off-speed pitches. Number eight, Nolan Jones. I'm not as high as everybody else on. He's also just a brick S-house still, though. Big dude, um, patient, high OBP guy. Number nine, Seth Beer with the Diamondbacks. I think you'll see him up this year. And I still believe in Josh Young with Texas. Uh, I know Long and Hagen was a little bit down on him, but you know, big body contact guy. I don't know where the power is going to go this year, but hit 316 across two levels last year. I am a believer in Josh Young. Jung, as you would see his name. Five corner infielders to watch. Well, I mentioned one of them a little bit ago, Mason Martin. I love Mason Martin's power tool. It's unreal. This is one of those guys that comes from like a bodybuilding family. He is a rock at 20 years old. He's only 20 years old. He hit 35 homers last year in the minors. Now, his batting average struggled. He averaged between two levels, 254, and he struck out 168 times. Those are problems. But they are problems that become less when you hit 35 homers. He also had 32 doubles. When you add this all up, he had 71 extra base hits of his 121 hits last year. Strikeouts are not. That's something you shouldn't ignore. First baseman for the Pirates, very, very much in on Mason Martin because if um, if the average makes a turn, watch out. This dude's a 40 home run type of guy. Uh, Luis Toribio is one I haven't talked about in a little bit, and I will be seeing him next week in that Giants and, and, uh, Giants and Indians game. But Toribio last year hit 296 with three homers, 16 doubles in 54 games, even stole a few bases. Great OBP, 433. And he actually reminded me of like an old school Adrian Beltre. Like he's kind of a big body dude, doesn't get enough of the attention because of, you know, Matos and uh, Luciano and, and Hunter Bishop and whatnot. But Toribio, really, really interesting third base prospect who was right there, you know, with the power with Luciano last year. So look out for him. Michael Bush is someone I've made a little bit of a turn in kind of my initial feelings. Like I was, I initially was lumping Bush and Strumpf kind of together as utility players. I still believe that about Strumpf, but I've turned a bit because of some of the reports I got on Bush's power. was able to see him in the inner scrimmage squad game, and uh, there was a sound coming off of his bat. Second base prospect. For the Dodgers, he hit uh, no homers last year, only had 24 at-bats as far as uh, his two levels, and then he spent some time in the AFL as well. So you almost have to throw everything out. I think this is a guy that could hit for some – he has a potential hit for some serious power and potentially move around. And I have him listed – he was listed like on his pages as a second baseman, but he's been working at first. Uh, Mark Vientos. Now the other two – the other three guys I've talked to you about, really excited. I'd say like – even though I have them ranked higher – how much are they going to move? Like if Martin hits 
290. He's going to be a top 10 on this list. Toribio, yeah, I mean, all these guys have the potential. Where I'm getting at is these next two guys, I feel like they could get a big rocket move if things work out this year. Mark Vientos with the New York Mets. Last year, he only hit 255 with 12 homers, but there is some serious, serious power. Might be the most, well, after Martin, might be the most prolific power hit guy on this list. And uh, Ryan Velotti with the Colorado Rockies. He's kind of playing all over. I've seen him as a shortstop. Uh, third base might be more likely, so I kind of pigeonholed him in here to talk about him. He hit 303 last year, 12 homers, 10 triples, 27 doubles, even had 24 stolen bases. If that does get moved to third base, like watch out, man, especially if the batting average keeps going. These five could all be guys we're talking about inside the top 10 of corner infielders next year. Let's go to outfield, starting with Joe Adele. Boom, you know the story there. I still believe Number two, Julio Rodriguez. Pee-wee's word of the day. Yeah! <laughs> Number three, Luis Robert. You know, the the three guys right there, that is such a tier in its own. If you told me you had to have Robert above everybody, it's hard to argue. I still long-term think the stolen bases might come down a little bit. Don't listen to Eloy Jimenez when he says he's the next trout. Like, come on, Eloy, let's calm down here. But all three of those guys, an elite tier of outfielders. Jason Dominguez, the Martian at number four. That is how high we are valuing. And, you know, as I've tried to really take this offseason to prove, there is there's so much more information that we can put behind Jason Dominguez than pre- prospects previously before and how they're being scouted. And he, it's an exciting year, and I want to get in on the investment. Now, I'm not going to blame you if you feel hard-pressed who number five and six, I've got Jared Kelenic at five, Dylan Carlson at six. If you had to have production earlier, yeah, I'm with you. I just think long-term, Dominguez can outperform fantasy-wise what Kelenic does. But you know what? Listen, man, if Kelenic keeps going and he hits a high batting average this year, which this is something he's built on, the power, he's going to rock homers out. And if he continues to steal bases... Well, you know, then we're talking about Trout Light. Like, that's where I think Kelnick could go. So, you know, there's points of me wanting to almost, you know, put Kelnick over Dominguez. So maybe Carlson is, like, kind of the start of another tier. Uh, Number seven, I've got Christian Robinson. You know, Robinson was an interesting conversation with Longenhagen where I told you there's a serious consideration inside the weight loss that he's got, where the effects could come this year. doesn't mean anyone to come off the talent. But even like Longenhagen said, he might come down a little bit this year. So if I were starting a new draft, I'd try to get value on Robinson because – if he struggles at all this year, um, just with some of the physical changes and changes to his game of who he is, you might be able to get him on the lower. So he came down to seven. Drew Waters at eight. Riley Green at nine. And I still love Alec Thomas at ten. Alec Thomas, I think, can be a power speed guy. Riley Green, a great hitter. And Drew Waters, kind of kind of the mold of uh, a lot of these players, kind of like Dylan Carlson. Now, technically, the next guy on the list would have been Corbin Carroll, but remember... Um, I'm not putting those first-year player guys on this list. They are exempt from the list. Even though I just realized I put Michael Bush on the other one, so I'm cheating on my uh, I'm cheating on my own game here. Five guys to watch for the outfield. Trevor Larnick absolutely can be one of those guys. He continues to hit for average. Power is going to be there, and maybe even a major stint at some point here soon. Brandon Marsh, yes please. Christian Pache, yes please. Marsh and Pache have the potential for this season to, I would say, jump Larnick. And I think they can. I mean, some people already have Pache like really high. I want to, I want to be more cautious uh, about him, just because I'm not sure how it's going to translate to the major league level. Like he could be more like Verdugo. I don't. He doesn't pile on the power or the speed 
and he's got to hit for average. I mean, he like literally, he has to hit for high average to be Verdugo at this point. But people really believe that the power and speed is going to just start coming. But he's never accumulated high volumes of either of those counting stats. So I'm just not quite as high as everybody else. But Marsh and Pache could really rock it up into a top 10 outfielder during this season. Alexander Canario, there's a guy I didn't even mention with the Giants. He was even getting some major league run in a game, I believe, he got in spring training. 16 homers last year. He's getting the big old major push with the Giants. And then Jared Oliva, who we've talked about. He is definitely a guy that if things click, he could be at the major leagues this year and we could be kind of viewing near the top 10 of uh, fantasy outfielders. That leaves us with one ranked list left. That is the pitchers. Number one, McKenzie Gore, of course, I've got him there. Someone asked me, do I think he'll break camp? I think it was my boy Derek asked me, and I said, no, I don't believe he'll break camp. Though I wouldn't put it past, I would not put it past the Padres because it's what they did. They did it with Paddock. But I don't believe so. But it could be up by May. They are giving him the push. He's going to contribute. I would be shocked if he didn't contribute this year. He is uh, one of the more advanced high school pitching prospects I've ever seen. And uh, when he gets up, everyone's going to fall in love. Number two, Jesus Lazardo. He is in the rotation for the Indians. And it's hard to deny what a smart and just complete pitcher he is from top to bottom. I mean, he is, I look at this list, he is the most complete pitcher um, of anybody. Like, I think Gore's got a little bit better stuff, and I think he's got the most devastating pitch in that curveball. But Lazardo's the, the most complete guy. Now, Whitley, who comes in at number three, who I haven't given up on, he has some of the best pure stuff, but the command is still a mess. He did get, he ran up somebody in spring training. I don't remember who it was, though. Really, really good pitch. Kept his shoulder up, was just bombing it into the catcher. So, like, like really positive look that he's, um, that he's not struggling in spring training for Dusty and that the Astros need uh, rotation help. So I'm actually very, very uh, optimistic about Whitley. Casey Mize continues to roll, looks looks good in spring. The splitter is probably one of the better, like, pure-graded non-fastball pitches in the minor leagues. He's going to get strikeouts in it, and um, yeah, his from spring training numbers, he's looked better than Matt Manning, who might be a better pure pitcher. Nate Pearson, I've got at number five. Manning, I've got at number six. Pearson, I don't know. You know, Pearson, man, he could be the number one guy of all these. I acknowledge that. With that fastball, and you know, he spent some time at driveline that previous year, he's really coming in, and, like, if he's not flattening out his fastball, no one's going to be able to hit it. And then he's going to drop a slider in on somebody or a changeup, and people are just going to keep striking out. So I'm a little bit worrisome about the command long-term, but he could be, like, number one. Uh, number seven, Michael Kopech. Number eight, Luis Patino. So two Padres on this list, two Tigers on this list. Spencer Howard is number nine, and Dustin May comes in at number 10. Dustin May probably going to start in the minors. He, I would almost say is going to start in the minors for the Dodgers. He hasn't even really thrown since the beginning of camp starting, and um, they want him to be getting full innings, so not in relief. So I don't see much of a chance for him breaking camp. But he's still got you know top-end elite stuff. That is quite a pairing of pitchers in the top 10. And it's also why, you know, I don't lose my mind about making sure I have to get a guy in the top 10 or even having to get, you know, like a Manning at 25, because if you miss out on Manning and you wait 20 picks, you can get Dustin May or look at trade values. You know, the value of you trading a Casey Mize could get you Spencer Howard plus. And I think I wouldn't be shocked if Spencer Howard was better than Casey Mize. Three pitches with high command power 
uh, Howard was pumping in the AFL. Give me all the Howard shares I possibly can get. Five guys that I'm watching that could maybe jump into this list. I've got two really wild ones I just decided to throw at you. Number one, Daniel Lynch. Still love uh, Lynch with the slider and the fastball. I don't know if he's going to break camp, but he has an opportunity to get innings at the majors this year. A really smart pitcher. Tarek Skubal with Detroit, obviously just a you know ridiculous run, and he he is getting the big push. Like this guy's stuff, I mean, I know Emily's talking him up, but there are scouts left and right talking about him being maybe a, a special, like, quote, special type of a pitcher. So I don't think it's ridiculous to think that um, – <laughs> three Tigers in the top 10 could be possible. Uh, Clark Schmidt, who we talked about with the Rangers. Now, here's two really off-the-beaten-path ones. Though he eats Chipotle most likely, I'm going to go with Cole Wynn. He had 18 starts under his belt last year, 68 innings, 65 strikeouts. He was bit walk-heavy. It And this is coming off of some injury, but he's got a big fastball, big curveball. Potentially, they're not plus, but like, more than serviceable slider changeup and decent control. I think that curveball fastball combination is going to do some stuff this year. And I think he's a guy, maybe he doesn't get into the top 10, but I think he sniffs the area. I think it's possible that he could be sniffing like inside the top one. There's so many guys that it's hard to say. So this, you know, this is almost kind of just me saying, is it going to be a top 10? I don't know, but like he could have a really, really big jump this year. And there's another guy who I believe he had, I don't remember if it was Tommy John or it was a big, massive injury, but he's back to throwing, and I absolutely love him. It's Lenny Torres. Uh, it obviously wasn't Tommy. You know, no, it was Tommy John because he last pitched in, uh, it was rookie ball in 2018. He's back. Lenny Torres had only 15 innings in 2018, but had 22 strikeouts and four walks. He is something else. Big fastball slider, probably a plus ish change up and he was commanding pitches at like I think he was 18 years old at the time coming up you know obviously you worry about the injury stuff but I think I think Lenny okay Lenny Torres is like what everybody sees Simeon Wood Richardson in and nobody thinks about him because of the injury so Lenny Torres and Cole Wynn are two guys that can make massive jumps now you know what's interesting about those guys that I just picked they might be appropriate for next week's episode because here's what's going down next week. 2020 breakouts. I the, the episode I probably heard the most about. And people like interviews and people like when me and James talk about stuff. But as far as off-season prep, like I decided not to do those big old you know team preview things because we talk so much about prospects. I didn't really hear any pushback. But everybody asked me, are you going to do the breakout podcast? Yes, I am. And I think, I think we're going to do two of them. So part one of the 2020 breakouts next week, three guests on, two of them on at the same time. We have got Eric Cross is going to be joining me. Me and him are going to talk for a little bit. We're going to get his 2020 breakouts. And then I have got James Anderson and Eddie Almanger. So James, so we're going to have Fantrax, Rotowire, and Prospects Live all um, locked into that episode. Eddie, myself, and James are going to go through and there, we're also going to be kind of like a little bit of roundtabling, some just random prospect talk, some things that are kicking around. And then we're each going to drop two breakout hitters and two breakout pitchers for 2020. So this might be, you know, 
Cole Wynn and Lenny Torres would have been two perfect pitchers that I just wasted on this episode that I can't use now. But that's what we're going to do. And then I'm going to hopefully be doing a part two the following week, and it'll just be with some other great prospect people. So you guys can get a really big look at, you know, the predictions, the breakouts predictions episode where we attach some stuff. And we've had some really good results before, Eddie and Ralph and James. We've thrown out some great stuff. And I'll be excited to hear from you guys. I may even over on Patreon um, fish for some of your breakout predictions for this coming season and talk about a few of them. So be on the lookout for that. But, friendos, that is the rank episode. So I give you the top 10 corner, middle, outfield, starting pitchers, some guys to be on the lookout for, and what some of my rank uh, changes have looked like since the end of 2019 because we're about to start this bad boy up. So you guys want to support Prospect One, hopefully you dug this episode. You can at patreon.com slash army. You can get the list, all of its fun stuff, and uh, some new potential updates coming uh, in the near future. And we'll be doing twice, twice a month updates starting in April. So that's always fun as we're kind of moving through, giving new reports and all these guys. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Keep enjoying the baseball because I know I'm going to. Talk to you guys on Breakouts next week. See you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.